0: Going stronger physically, mentally, emotionally, and definitely spiritually. You know, there's prophetic words that have come out, Chuck Pierce in particular, that, that you know, that we are entering into a new time. There's a new season. There is a, a, even a threshing that's taking place, that things are taking place, and that we're, in order to come into this new place that God has for us, this new place, it, it is difficult. And how many of you know that there are times where you feel like you're not growing but you may be growing and you may not see that growth. I mean there's times where I can look at my yard and and I can say it's not growing and then all of a sudden now that the weather's turned warm and I put some water on my yard all of a sudden boom it grows a little bit and and it's like wow I can now begin to see the growth. So I'm going to talk a little bit today about how we are going to be able to to grow and grow stronger in a new season so let's take a look at that today have you got did you get the powerpoint on that do you you there okay let's take a look at that i want to talk about growing stronger in this new season I want to talk about some different things because we've got to continually move, we've got to continually advance, and I want to get a little bit stronger. What are the determining factors that can get us to grow stronger? What are the determining things that we can begin to move forward? What should we look at? What should we do? You know, a lot of times we've thought about things like that and we've said, well, how do I do it? And when do I do it? And why do I do it? So those are some of the factors. And one of the examples that I began to start thinking about was when a family comes in and they go to look to buy a new house. And I remember in 1997, we, we looked for a house. I looked for a house for me. And there were some things that I began to look at. I went to the house and looked at it. How many of you ever looked at a house? All right. We, everybody? Everybody's not had looked at a house? If you haven't looked at a house, maybe you need to start going and look at a house. Amen. Because you never know, God is going to move you into a place where you might be able to move into the house that you look at when it comes for sale. Can I get an amen? amen. So when we went to look at our house, I began to look at it, you know, uh, you know, I didn't want to look at some things that were outside of my price range. And, and I began to start looking at some things that were in my price range, and I went to look at the house. I looked at the house. I looked at some of the outside aesthetics. What did it look like? Was it brick? Was it vinyl siding? Was it you know masonite siding? Would the, the color you know was it appropriate for me and for what I wanted? Were there any trees in the yard? And and, and what what did the backyard look like? And was it fenced in? Was it not fenced in? Did I have a place to put this? Did I did I have a garage for this? If I needed a garage, some of you may look at a house. You don't want a garage. You know, there, there, in North Carolina, there isn't as many garages as there are in Oklahoma. I don't know if you guys realize that or know that. Because we don't have a whole lot of tornadoes and, and hail and all of that that you guys got to get your cars out of the weather. You know, we just, you know, I didn't have a garage the first house. I built a garage that was added on to it. But I looked at some things. I mean, the very first house that I bought, I remember looking at it. And one of the things that I looked at was where it was. What was the structure of the house? Was it, was the foundation in good shape? Were some things there that I needed to have repaired? Well, one of the determining factors that I looked at was what road it was on. Right? What road was it on? What road was my house on? And, and, and unfortunately, there are times where we've got to look at that. And was it on a main road? Was it on a side road? Was the traffic real heavy because I had small children and I didn't want them to get to the road? Are you with me? I didn't want, there were some safety factors that we began to look at. So I want us to talk about this today as we're growing stronger in this new season. And we said to turn to Matthew chapter seven because I want to, I want to look at two determining factors today. Two factors that I want to look at today. In, in in us growing stronger in this new season. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to grow. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm getting ready to grow. You know, something's going to happen on the inside of me because the word will not return void, but it will do what it's planned and purposed to do, and we're going to put this word of God within you. Amen? So what 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 should we look at and, and what's the structure and what road is it on? So let's take a look at these. First of all, you've got to realize that there are two roads. There's a good road, There's a bad road. There's a right road. There's a wrong road. There's a road of faith and there's a road of faithlessness. You might look and see there's a straight road and a a narrow road. There's a road that that might be winding this way and there might be one that goes straight to this direction. And as we look at the Bible, as we look at the Word of God, the Bible says there is a wide road and a narrow road. All right? Let's look at Matthew chapter 17. I want to give you a little background on Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. I want to give you a little background, all right? I want you to write this down because we're going to get into this more and more. There is the art of interpreting scriptures, and this is called hermeneutics. Anybody heard of hermeneutics? Okay, And this is what it is. Basically, this is it. It's who said this, who said this? To whom was it said? Under what circumstances was it said? The fourth thing is, how did it apply to them at that time? And the fifth thing is, how did this apply to us? How many of you have read a scripture in the Bible, and in the Bible, it's referring to another scripture that may be in the Old Testament? You ever seen that? Okay, that is, that is basically called the art of first usage or the rule of first usage. So what we need to do is when Jesus says something, or Paul says something, or James or Peter says something, and they quote from Psalms, or they quote from Isaiah, or they quote from Zechariah, or they quote from Ezekiel, or they quote from Genesis, you need to really go back to Genesis and look at how it was used first. Are you with me? I'm learning and growing myself. And I'm realizing that sometimes I have taken scriptures out of context. Amen. I didn't intentionally mean to do it, but I've taken them out of context. And there's not many pastors that probably could say I got everything right. Okay? So we look at this, and that's the art of interpreting scripture as we look at that, alright? So in this, I want to put us in the place of Jesus. Jesus in Matthew chapter four had a bout with the devil, right? He came out of Matthew in chapter four. He had the, he had the battle with the devil, right? And, and he was led by the spirit in the wilderness and the devil came and he tempted him. And after that, he was baptized. The spirit of the living God came down. Are y'all, y'all with me? We're setting that stage. The Holy spirit came down and said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus started, again, started beginning to his ministry, was then beginning to excel in the earth. And the first things that he taught about was repent for the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus. So Jesus is going around and he's got to the point where he's on with the disciples and he's saying, I'm going to release what we call the Beatitudes. Anybody ever heard that? Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 were the Beatitudes. Now, Jesus is dealing with the multitudes, and here's what he says. Historically, he wants them to come up. And he begins to sit down, and he begins to start teaching about the Beatitudes. In Matthew chapter 5, you can see that. He starts doing that. So what I want you to know is, I have been to Israel... And I've sat on the mountain, and when we talk about mountains, the word of God Israel is very, very terrain. It's a very mountainous region, but they're not mountains, Matt, like the Colorado Rocky Mountain. Okay, so I don't want you to think that you know they got to go sixteen thousand feet from this level to that level, and it takes them you know thirty days to get there, and then they get to hear Jesus speak. Basically, it was a, a hill. And we sat on that hill and we looked down into the valley and literally took this scripture and said, wow, when Jesus said, come on up, it wasn't necessarily a a, a difficult thing. They didn't need any climbing gear. But I'm telling you what, those that were lazy didn't go, right? So Jesus comes up to this mountain. He sits down on this mountainside and the, the multitudes are there in front of him and he begins to teach them. And we we see where he begins to talk about, I'm just going to just briefly go through Matthew. He begins to talk about the disciples. He talks about the disciples in the world, the personal relationships. Remember, he he gives all the different steps. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who they shall mourn and be comforted. And he goes through and he gives these blessings. He's speaking these things over the disciples. And he talks about their personal relationships and 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 he goes on and he and he talks about giving to the poor in chapter 6 and he talks about motives and he talks about you know finding the true tre- treasure and and he talks about the motives of wealth or the motives of money and he comes into um uh, uh, how to how to deal with anxiety and and don't be stressed and all these different things and he gets into Matthew chapter 7 and he talks about judging others and he says, for the same standard that you use is measured back to you. And, and he begins to give the prayer. I didn't know when I was a kid the golden rule. I, I don't, and some of you younger ones may not realize, but the golden rule was actually in our school. We would say the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I didn't know that was Scripture till I was, I don't know, probably late 20s, early 30s, when I finally read it, and it was there. And my mother quoted Scripture, but I don't think she knew it was Scripture that she quoted. I think she thought it was a cool saying of her day, and she would say that. So she'd say the golden rule. My mother was not a, she didn't have much of a relationship with God, was not a believer until very late in her life. So he goes into the golden rule and he says, "Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and that you'll find. Knock and the door shall be open. Everyone who asks receives, seeks, finds. To him and knocks, the door will be open. And 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 what there man is there among you who is the son? Ask for a loaf, he gives him a stone. If he asks for fish, will he not? Will he give him a snake? Will he? If then being evil, knowing how to give good gifts to your children." How much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? (laughs) I like that. God wants to give you something good. Come on. He's not going to give you a snake. He wants to give you something good. He says, In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law of the prophets. And right in here, he goes into Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. And he says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is broad, or the way is broad, that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. Now, why would Jesus say there are many who enter through it? Now, many of us have heard this scripture before, haven't we? We've all heard it. You've got it in the context in which it was said. What did it mean to them then? I believe it means the same thing to us now. What road are you on? If we're going to look at two determining factors of growing into this new season of growing in the things of God, then we're going to have to determine, number one, what road you're on. And this road right here, is a narrow gate. He gives this picture of a narrow gate. Now, I'm not much of a cattle farmer, but there are some cattle farmers here. And the the thinner the gate, the harder it is to get those cattle through. Amen? Now, unless you're loading them, you want to have a thin gate, don't you? You want to have a, a narrow gate. So Jesus says that through the narrow gate, the gate is wide, and the way, or some versions say the road is broad, ...that leads to destruction. So he's given us a picture here. He's sitting on the mountainside and he's talking to the disciples... ...and and all the multitude that came up with him. And he says, I want you to know that there is a way, a road that leads to destruction. And I want you to know that there's a gate to go through that road... ...and it leads to destruction. And as he's speaking forth those things... He says, and by the way, there are many who enter through it. And that, when I read this and I look at it and I think, oh Lord, what is going on here? Why would he say that there are many that enter through it? Why would he say that? And I I began to start thinking about the wide gate and how easy it is to pass through the wide gate. I began to start thinking about the road being wide. And I don't know about you, but has anybody ever driven on a wide road? I've driven on some wide roads and I've driven on some narrow roads. And in that wide road, I can even nod off a little bit. Are you with me? And not make a mistake. Come on now. you know, you can just nod off a little bit, or all of a sudden your jaw opens up. And, and on that wide road, you may not end up in the ditch. But Jesus says it leads to everybody. It leads to... So what about that wide road? It's easy to be on the wide road. In fact, it's a whole lot easier to be on the wide road than it is on the narrow road. On the wide road, you don't have to struggle much. On the wide road, you got some room to really spread your wings. On the wide road, you have less stress, right? That's on the wide road, and the wide road can look good to us. The wide road's easy. You don't, don't force me into anything. Don't tell me that i got to read the Word or pray or have a relationship with God because I just want to be on the wide road. I, I remember seeing a commercial. It was a tire commercial. Now, there is a time where wider is better, but not with this scripture, all right? It was a tire commercial. I can't remember the name of it. I mean, that's what they, why they have these commercials, is, so you're supposed to remember the name, by the product, all that good stuff. But it was a tire commercial, and they were coming out with the wider tires. Now, I know that Joel and Skyler and these young guys, I know they, don't, they didn't realize that tires used to be like this. A little bit bigger than bicycle tires. In fact, about the size of motorcycle tires. That's what they used to be on some of the first automobiles. But they found out that they were more stable when they were wider. So there was a time where wider was better. And I began to start thinking about how we walk. And Jesus was addressing this. Turn with me to Ephesians. Just kind of hold your finger there in Matthew chapter 7. And let's go to the book of Ephesians. I was reading out of this morning. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 2. And, and let's look at chapter 2, verse 1. Because I believe Paul is talking about a road. Why do I know? What do you, what do you walk on? Look what he says, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formally walked. Remember, he was talking about being in Christ. When you're in Christ, you're a new creation. This is where you used to be. We're in Christ. We're able to do these things in Christ. And now he's saying, when you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formally walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. It's where you used to walk. You used to walk on this road. But now in him you're on a different road. Y'all seeing this? In him you're on a different road. Because Ephesians chapter 1 was the scriptures that I read earlier about being in him. So you're on a different road. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 20. Let's Let's go there. Proverbs sixteen twenty five. Said Is it okay if we get into the Word? I mean, Amen. it's the Word. Psalms, Proverbs, just cut your Bible in half, open it up, and you'll probably be at Psalms, and then Proverbs is to the right. 16, 25. And I, I want, always want to encourage you to read Scriptures beforehand and read after. But I found this and I thought, "Oh man, this really goes with the road. Proverbs 16:25. Everybody there say, "I'm there." Verse 25 says "There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of everybody? Is that similar to what Jesus was saying in Matthew, that it leads to destruction? Would you all say that destruction and death are pretty close? There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. People can be on this wide road. Well, I'll, I'll come to Christ later in my life. You're not guaranteed later, brothers, sisters. Well, I'll come to Christ when I get a little bit older because don't you know I'm, I'm a young guy now and I want to sow my oats. As a young guy, I sowed my oats. And as an older, I'm still reaping the consequences of that. It isn't always good. So the way might have seemed right to me when I was younger, but I was on a wide road. And Jesus says that wide road leads to what? Destruction, everybody. Destruction. The wide road leads to destruction, but you don't understand, Pastor, it's easy for me to be on the wide road. I got a little room if I make a mistake, you know? I even got room to turn around and go back if I want to. It's the wrong way. Do we have my wrong way slide? I want you to, when you realize that you're on the wide road, you just see this sign. What's that sign say? Wrong way. Everybody. Wrong way. What's it say? Wrong way. I mean, how many times do we say, ah, you're going down the wrong road. You're in the wrong way. You're on the wrong path. You're headed in the wrong direction. Don't matter. You ain't telling me what to do. Can I get an Amen. You try to warn your brother. You try to warn your sister. You try to warn your friend. You try to warn anybody, and you're like, "Hey, dude, you're in the wrong way. You're on the wrong path, buddy, dude." No, no, you don't understand. I got a lot of room over there. I'm headed in the right direction. No, no, you're headed the. You try to tell your aunt, your uncle. They're headed in the. They're headed in the wrong way. Now, let's look at the rest of the scripture. You guys there? Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at verse 14. We're just going to try to determine what road you're on today. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and those there are few who find it. The gate that leads to eternal life with God, listen to me, is small. It's narrow. It's tight. There are some tight places in that road. There's only one way to live eternally with God, and that's believing in Jesus. Jesus is the way. Say that. Jesus is the way. He's the way. In fact, John 14:6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the way. Well, don't you know about Buddha? He's not the way. But what about Harry Krishner? He's not the way. Church of Scientology, it's not the way. Come on somebody. He's not the way. What about Muhammad? Living his way, on his road may not be popular, but it's right and it's true. May not be popular, but it's right and it's true. Because, see, on the wide road, you can cruise a little faster. You can get the RPMs tacked out. You can make a mistake and, oh, think that you're all right. You can fall asleep. But, see, on the narrow road, you have to think. You have to stay awake. (laughs) Wake up! You got to stay awake. Don't fall asleep at the wheel. On the narrow road, you got to slow down a little bit. Ooh, I better, ooh, baby, better slow down. I'm going to tell you an experience that we had. We first moved here. Jerry will get a kick out of this. We first moved here. We were, I was looking for some land. And I, I, the roads are different a little bit in North Carolina than they are here. And I was kind of moving along pretty good. It was Jerry and Shelly and I, and, and the roads were wet. Richard, the back roads were wet. Not a paved road, but they were wet. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I'm just kind of moving right along, you know, and, and there's a little bit of water up ahead, you know, that's crossed the road. And I, Jerry, bless his heart, he was so good to me. He didn't say, slow down, what is the matter with you? He just kind of looked at me, and he grinned, and I hit that water. And I mean, that truck was... (laughs) And I almost got stuck. There was another time where I was on another road, I was coming over a hill. And I had a couple other people with me, and it was not a cleachy road, it was a... A, a red road, red red road, you know red clay road, you know what I'm talking about red road, red clay, and it had just rained you got to learn from this brother it had just rained and the road was wet, and I was moving along pretty good and I come over this hill when I say pretty good'm don't get in your mind that I'm doing seventy because some of you all are like, just flying seventy miles an hour no wonder, no, no, it was probably 35, 40 miles an hour, but it was faster for the conditions of the road. I should have been doing 20. And I come over that road, little tip, I came down, Chris, and all of a sudden, the rear end started coming around. And how many of you know, anybody ever been in an accident or or like something like that? How does it happen that you see it in slow motion? Do you know what I'm saying? In your mind's eye. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? In your mind's eye. You know what I mean? All I could do is I could see myself go, That's what happened. My brother-in-law and my nephew were with me. Of course, Michael was like, That was cool! Do it again! And I'm just thinking, Oh, Lord, help me. I have messed up now. God, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. And all of a sudden, it straightened back around. It was a narrow road. It was a back road up in, in Buffalo County. It was... Or Harper County, it was up near Buffalo. And I come over that hill, I'm telling you, I, I lost, con- literally, almost lost control of the vehicle. I didn't have control of the vehicle. All I remember what was kicking in was when your rear end goes this way, you steer this way. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And your rear end goes this way, you steer that way. I know that's a terrible sight there, but, but it, you know, but you got to do that, you know? And I was like, okay, my rear end's going this way, I got to steer back this way, you know? And it came back around. But see, when you're on the narrow road, you've got to slow down. Listen, when you're on the narrow road, you may have to be more careful how you navigate. When you're on the narrow road, you've got to look for the orange cones. And you have to navigate your way through it. Right? That's the narrow road. Say narrow road. So let me ask you, what road are you on? What road are you on? Luke 13:24. Let's flip over there. Matthew, Mark, Luke, go to the right. Luke 13:24. When you get there say I'm on the narrow road. Man, you guys are fast. Luke 13:24. I'm not even there yet. I'm on the narrow road. Jesus had been teaching in the different villages and he was passing from one city to another and he was teaching and proceeding on his way to Jerusalem. And someone had said to him, Lord, there's, there's just a few being saved. And this is what he said to them. He said, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and they will not be able. That's kind of like the narrow gate, the narrow door, the narrow road, the, the narrow way. See, growing stronger means that you've got to get on the right road, first of all. If you're going to grow stronger and you're going to move forward, then you're going to have to stay on the narrow road. You're going to have to go through the narrow gate. If you're going to grow stronger in this new season that's ahead, and I'm going to start talking about you now, you're going to have to not quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't quit. Don't quit. You're going to have to not quit. You know what you're going to have to do? You're going to drive through potholes, and you're going to keep going. And you're going to come over the hill, and you're going to lose control on a slippery, narrow road, and you're going to have to say, God, keep me in control here. You're going to have to navigate through barriers. You're going to have to sail through the uncharted waters, staying to the Word of God. Stay on the right road. When you're on the narrow road, you know what you're going to have to do? I said, you're going to have to drive through potholes. I'm telling you, I lived in a mobile home park years ago, and the potholes were so large that I could drive my car in it and come out for three days. (laughs) Pastor, you're not telling the truth. You're absolutely right. I am not. There wasn't three days. But I'm telling you what, the, the front end alignment, as soon as you hit one of those potholes, you might as well just go get your car aligned. I mean, they weren't just little potholes. They were big potholes. And, and people would drive around them, and then you would make another road around the pothole. You know, maybe you don't know what I'm talking about. Y'all have had good roads. Amen. <laughs> this is Oklahoma. Well, I better not talk about the roads in Oklahoma. So number one is this, what road are you on? And if you're on, not on the narrow road, to get on the narrow road. Number two, the second thing that's going to determine your growth in this season is where are you planted. Where are you planted? Turn with me to Psalms 92. Psalms 92. We're in great shape today. Hallelujah. Psalms 92. I want to really get into some things here as we go through this. So, if you're on the straight road, stay awake. God's got something here. Psalms 92, 13. Let's take a look at this. Verse 13. Well, man, verse 12's good, too. Oh, man, verse is really good, too. 10. ah, well, we'll go back to 13. You read that other stuff before you get a chance. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. Planted in the house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. Now, here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, talking about staying on the good road, the narrow road. We're on the narrow road. And he says, you're going to flourish if you're planted in the house of God. Now, you can do the work yourself. You can look up this word planted, and you can see it literally means transplanted or planted to grow roots. We are transplanted out of the world into the house of God. Woohoo! Anybody been transplanted? Whoo, hallelujah. So when he talks about being planted in the house of the Lord, there has to be a transplant first. Out of the world, into the house of the Lord. Out of the world, into the house of the Lord. Out of the world, into the house of the Lord. Do y'all get it? Say, I got it. If you got it, say, I got it. Okay. Out of the world, into the house of the Lord. So those that are planted in the house shall flourish and i began to start looking at this and i started thinking about man if i'm transplanted if i'm rooted up and then i'm put in the house of the lord i'm going to flourish in the courts of our god and then i began to start thinking about what's the house of the lord what's the house of the lord well, that's just the church building. Hmm. What's the house of the Lord? And I looked it up. You want me to tell you what it says? I looked it up, and the Hebrew word is bayith, B-A-Y-I-T-H. And it means family. And I began to start reflecting how important... This family is to me. And I believe you are to this family. The King James Version. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Think about that. So where are you planted? Let's go to Psalms chapter 1. Let's look at this. Because I I began to look at that and I thought, wow, planted in the family of the Lord. Whew, I like that. Psalms 1. You guys okay this morning? We're just family getting together, amen? Having a little reunion. Well, I take that back. We're not having a reunion because those reunions only happen once every... (laughs) Some families don't ever happen. We're gathering today to advance the kingdom. Amen? To advance you. You're going to advance. Psalms 1. I like this one. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. You see that word walk? What do you think he's referring to there? Path, road, could it be? Yeah. Yeah, sure. What path are you on? What road are you on? Are you on the wide road? You're on the narrow road. He says, how blessed is the man. You know what that word blessed means? Some people, I've, I've used it and said, you know, it, it means empowered to prosper. But it literally means happiness or being happy. Happy is the man. I think there's another version that says happy is the man. It also means straight. It also means level. It also means Right. It also means blessed means to go forward. Woo-hoo. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're blessed. you're blessed. You are prophesying them to go forward. It also means honest and it also means proper. Proper is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Straight is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Right is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, pastor, don't be adding things. The Bible says don't add to it and don't take from it. I'm not adding to it and I'm not taking from it. I'm giving us revelation, wisdom, and understanding of what the Scripture says that if you'll look it up, if we'll begin to start searching the words out and find out what they mean, it's going to really help us a lot. Amen. So it says, Honest is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. That path is the road. What road are you on? Where are you planted? Here's this. Check check out verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a... Who will be? He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. Do you want to know what that word prosper is? Oh, it's having all this money and doing all the things I can do with this money. No, that's part of it. But here's what it means. It means to push forward or advance. We advance. 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 To push forward or advance. I want to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And whatever he does advances, moves forward. I'm going to grow. I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to continue to advance. Because I'm planted in the house of the Lord. And I'm blessed in the courts of my God. I'm planted in the house. And I'm going to begin to advance. Woo! And somebody trying to tell me church ain't important. Maybe we get him this CD. Amen? That's you. That's you. We're going to grow in this next season. We're going to be planted. We're going to be rooted. We're going to be grounded. Look at verse 4. So you see, verses 1 through 3 is, is pretty good stuff. Verse 4, well, you, we'll read it and you decide. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous... For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Ouch! (laughs) I don't want that to happen to anybody. Do you? I don't want that to happen to anybody. So you see, verses 1 through 3, it's a good life. It's a good life. Because they're on the narrow road. Because they're planted in the house of the Lord, in a family where they can grow, where they can be nurtured, where they can be encouraged, where they can be corrected, where they can be loved. Because the Bible tells he tells us that he disciplines or corrects or chastises those that he loves. I don't know about you, but I've been chastised by the Lord before, and it's not fun. Well, ask Nebuchadnezzar. Well, I guess you can't, but... So verses 4 through 6 is bad. It's destruction. Their happy condition is like a healthy fruit bearing tree without a strong root system. You need a strong root system in order to bear fruit, right? Say, I'm growing a strong root. (laughs) Say it again. I'm growing a strong root. See, the more we delight in God's presence, the more fruitful we become. Turn with me to Jeremiah, to the left. I mean, I'm sorry, to the right. My wife can tell you that I am directionally challenged at times. That's why I have a GPS. I do. The sad thing is is I don't necessarily need it when I'm driving. I need it sometimes when I'm walking. It's okay to laugh. You're laughing with me, not at me. We were leaving to go somewhere the other day, and she was like, "Where are you going?" I was we were driving home, but I kind of went a different way. <laughs> You know, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You sometimes drive back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Well, guys, you really want to have an opportunity to converse with your wife. Today, when you leave, drive a different way to go home. She'll so say, what are you doing? <laughs> she was like, what are you doing? I said, I'm driving home. <laughs> she was going to help me if I got lost. And that Lord knows that I need a helpmate. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank the Lord for your wonderful helpmate. Jeremiah 17. Did I tell you 17? Let's check this out. Jeremiah 17. See, what we find is the Word will confirm itself. In and out of the New Testament, in and out of Psalms and the Old Testament, in and out of the Scriptures, you'll find the Word will turn around and confirm itself. I'm just going to read this to you. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah seventeen five. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind, and makes flesh his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert, will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in a stony waste in the wilderness, a land of salt without inhabitant. Wow. Wow. Now look at verse 7. Blessed. Did you know this is, a, this is actually a different, different Hebrew word than the word in Psalms. It actually means an act of adoration, like to bless God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. And whose trust is in the Lord. Whew, i got to stop there. Maybe you've read this before. Do you think he's saying there's a difference between a man who trusts in the Lord and then he defines it and says, and whose trust is in the Lord? Amen. You ever seen that? I haven't seen it. I've read this before and not seen it. Check that out. Well, I trust in the Lord, but is your trust in the Lord, woo dog, is this good? Is it is it in your Bible too? Whose trust is the Lord? Whose trust is the Lord? Whose trust is the Lord? We trust men. We trust government. We trust employers. We trust all these other things. Sometimes, you know, y'all came in and you trust. You trusted that that seat was going to hold you today, didn't you? <laughs> you sat down, didn't even think think a thing. Of didn't think a single thing about it. But check that out. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord. Whoo! There are situations that you might be going through today. There are some issues in your life that you are going through today. That you're saying, oh God, oh I don't know if I can get through it. But your trust is in the Lord. And people will look at you and how are you going to make it? I don't know if you're going to be able to stand. My trust is in the Lord. My trust is not in me. My trust is not in my abilities. My trust is not in what I can do. But my trust is in the Lord. Hallelujah, that's good stuff. Anyways, he kind of pointed that out. He says, blessed is the man whose trust in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. Now see if this sounds familiar. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. If we trust in the Lord and a drought comes, you're still going to yield fruit. Okay, we're talking about growing strong in this next new season, right? If we trust in the Lord and the tornado comes, we trust in the Lord and the hurricane comes, we trust in the Lord and the earthquake comes, we trust in the Lord and there's a famine in the land, guess what? You're still going to yield fruit. You're still going to grow. In the midst of this mess? Absolutely. Get ready because there's some growth on the other side. Get ready because you're going to be propelled into your destiny. Get ready because there's some things that when when you come out of that thing, it's going to be like warp speed. You're going to take off and people are going to go, how'd you do that, sister? How'd you do that? Tell me how you did that. I trusted in the Lord and my trust is in the Lord. Because I want to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that brings forth its fruit. Think about that. So here's Jeremiah saying, for this man's going to be like a tree. And he says, planted by water and that extends its root by the stream. Are you going to grow in this season? We're going to grow in this season. I like the song that that we sang that says, no, no, nothing's going to stop us now. If our trust is in the Lord, we're going to continue to move forward. If our trust is in the Lord, we're going to continue to advance. If our trust is in the Lord, you're going to be able to overcome these situations and circumstances. If your trust is in the Lord, if your trust is in the Lord and you trust in Him, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6 is mine. I own it. When I get to see the Lord face to face, I'm going to say, that's mine. (laughs) and he's going to say no no it's mine i just let you have it (laughs) trust in the lord we got to trust in the lord it says trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path somebody say trust Trust. somebody say trust Trust. we got to trust in the lord God's going to bring me through. He's going to bring us out of it. I can't defend myself. Only God can defend me. And I'm going to trust in Him to defend me in every situation and every circumstance. I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to trust in the Lord. What road are you on? If you're on the wide road, it's going to lead to destruction. If you're on the wide road, you got a lot of room. you got a lot of things you can go. Oh, it gets to be a little sloppy kind of time. It's kind of sloppy grace is what I think I've heard it called before. You know, it's okay to do this. God will forgive me. If you're doing it for that reason and then expecting God to forgive you later, you're doing it for the wrong reason. You're headed down the wrong road. You're on a wide road. And the Bible tells me it leads to destruction. Oh, but you don't understand. I've now got off the wide road. And I got on the narrow road. And I'm trying to stay between the parameters in the Word of God. In Him is where I'm on that road. In Him is where I find myself. In Him is where I can keep control of the vehicle. In Him is where I can get off the wrong way. In Him is where I can stay on that road. And that road leads to life. Woo, hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. That road leads to life in every area of my life. I just don't want one area in my life transformed. I don't want just one area. I'm kind of greedy. I want all of God. And I want all, you know, in everything, everything, everything. In my work, in my play, in my hurting, in my hoping, in my dreaming, in all my things. I want all of God. I just don't want them in one area. I want them in all areas. And see, you don't understand. You don't know my testimony. You don't know where I came from. You don't know where I've been. You don't know. I was on the wide road. And I thought it was good. And I had an accident with Jesus. I had a road to Damascus experience like many of you have had. Some of you just kind of grew up in it. You just... Love God all your life. All you, it wasn't that way with me. I was on that wide road and I was headed for destruction. And I got on that narrow road. I said, God, I got to get on that path. And when I got on that path, I began to get planted in the house of the Lord. I don't want to experience anything on myself. I want to experience everything with God. It's not I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Am I perfect? I'm here to tell you I am not perfect. It's in him I can find healing. It's in him I can find restoration. It's in him I can find hope. But the Bible is very clear that I need to be planted in the house of the Lord so I can flourish. I want to flourish, don't you? We're going to grow. I'm telling you, you are going to grow. In the upcoming days ahead, you're going to grow. You're going to grow. If you'll stay planted in the house of the Lord, you're going to flourish. If you'll stay planted in the things of God, you're going to flourish. If you read and meditate on the Word of God, meditate to think about it. Spend more time. You know, if we would spend more time thinking about God than we would thinking about how I can get by with this. And there was a time in my life, that's where I did. I thought, hmm, I know this grace stuff works. So you mean to tell me if I go and slap this sister over here on her cheek, pow, I can say, God, forgive me. Why would I want to do that anyway? Y'all have been there. I know y'all have been. We all have. Wait a minute. We didn't understand it, but I don't want to get on the wide road again. I want to stay on the narrow road. Say narrow road, and stay planted. Say somebody stay. Say stay. Say stay planted. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say just like you, Pastor. Say, 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 say. <laughs> we want to stay planted. You're gonna flourish. I. I am excited about the days ahead. I'm excited about the spiritual growth that you're taking, that you're doing, that you're that you're growing in. You better look at the person next to you and say, I'm gonna look totally different in a year from now. I'm gonna look better. (laughs) Now I saw some spouses didn't say that to each other. (laughs) Tell your neighbors, hey, I'm gonna look better. Because I'm gonna grow. You're going to grow in the things of God. You're going to grow in the things of God. We're going to grow in the things of God. You're going to be watered. You're going to be fed. You're going to be nurtured. You're going to be nourished. You're going to be challenged. Hallelujah. But one thing we did when Shelly and I were placed in here 10 years ago, and some of you were at that meeting when we were placed in, that we made one promise to you, that we would grow spiritually together. Amen? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise for this word today. Amen.